Welcome to the PA Books Podcast. PA Books is a production of PCN, the Pennsylvania Cable Network. This program features interviews with authors of books on Pennsylvania people, history, sports, business, nature, and politics. We hope you enjoy this podcast. This week on PA Books, Lee Hartman, author of The Delaware River Story. Lee Hartman, author of The Delaware River Story, Water Wars, Trout Tales, and A River Reborn. When did you first get interested in fishing? Oh boy, that was uh, probably, I was uh, seven or eight years old, and um, I fished a little tributary called Pine Creek, uh, Little Pine Creek, uh, behind my house. Well, it was about a mile and a half behind my house, and I would walk down there and uh, dabble some worms, and that's where I started. Where's Pine Creek? Uh, Little Pine Creek uh, flows out of Delano. Uh, it actually uh, starts with the, some of the sewage that we had back in the uh, 50s, early 50s. We had, uh, the, the, the town had sewage uh, dumped right into the stream. So you had to walk about two miles downriver to get some fishing, uh, good fishing with brook trout, native brook trout. How'd you learn? How did I learn how to fish? Um, my older brother, uh, uh, Eugene, he taught me how to fish and uh, I started fly fishing at 12 years old. Do you remember when you caught the bug? I, well, I caught the bug early in life. I mean, uh, the first trout I caught on Little Pine Creek, uh, the, the uh, fish had to be six inches long and I was with my neighbor, uh, Bobby Cayley, uh, he was an older, uh, he was a teenager and I was just a young, young pup. And uh, I caught this fish about five and a half inches I measured and I was so disappointed. And so Bobby came up and uh, he, he gutted it and he stretched out, he says, now it's six inches. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that was my first fish ever, um, you know, uh, trout. So I remember it like it was yesterday. How did this book come about? It, I wanted to write this book to capture the feeling of how important the Delaware River is to everyone. That includes all the anglers that, that are up here, homeowners along the River Carter, and the 17 million people that share and drink the water. Uh, it, 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 the river is just pristine and clean and clear, uh, but it wasn't always that way. And I decided to write the book on the history and what we have today. Now you say in your book that the Delaware River is one of the most important rivers in America. Why is that? Well, it, it 17 millions of people drink it, the water, first of all. And uh, it has uh, a good run of shad fishing coming up. Philadelphia is now clean and clear. And I think the you know, it, it's it's a clean river, uh, the Schuylkill River, where it enters to the Delaware years ago, um, it was all polluted from the coal mining industry. And uh, that pollution caused a lot of times the, a roadblock for the 
migrating fish that come into the river, uh, for instance, shad. Uh, and uh, that eventually was cleaned up. How much time do you spend fishing now? Well, I'm a guide on the river. So I, I, I'm, uh, I'm 77 years old, but I'm still guiding. And uh, I guide about two to three days a week. Uh, and uh, so I do a lot of fishing. I travel the world a little bit uh, with, with groups. Um, my first book I wrote was Trails in the Wild Frontier, and that was all on Russia. Uh, I was one of the first Americans to fish over there and uh, explore their rivers in Siberia and uh, uh, Kamchatka and the Kola Peninsula. What's different about fishing in Russia? Well, <laughs> it's pristine, number one. Uh, in Siberia, there, there is very little roads. Uh, in fact, no roads. They use helicopters to get into the river systems. Uh, they have uh, one of the best sand Atlantic salmon populations uh, there are in the Kola Peninsula. And, but they didn't know how to, they're trying to attract more business over there. And that's how I was chosen to go over there and, and uh, take a group and explore these rivers. Um, it was back in 1990 and uh, they, uh, they just opened their borders to business people. And one of the person that hired me uh, had a, a, a connection with the Russia, uh, with Russia through his wife that was Russian born. And uh, he asked me to put a group together and, uh, and um, work for him. And that's what I did. Now, uh, tell me about fishing on the Delaware River. What, what is special about fishing on the Delaware? Well, the upper Delaware is there's two reservoirs on, on the river system, the Papacton and the, uh, the uh, Cannonsville Reservoir. And one of those reservoirs, Cannonsville, uh, releases most of the water to, to satisfy a, a target down at Montague, New Jersey. And that's for the water supply for New Jersey. And so that cold water has created a, a great trout fishery, wild trout fishery. It's not stocked. Uh, these tributaries uh, that they use for spawning these trout, and um, it has grown to a, a, a to a great great industry up here of fishing. So, can you describe a day when you take a group out as a guide? How do you start? What do you take with you, and how do you how do you run it? <laughs> well. Um, yeah, I take two people. I have a drift boat uh, and, and a raft. I, I use either or. And uh, they, they, I, I had a fishing camp called Indian Springs Fly Fishing. This is how I started up here. And uh, I, uh, I did one or two day trips. Uh, they stayed at my camp, fed them, uh, and um, we, we fished each day, you know, till dark uh, by floating. Do you take people who, who know what they're doing or do you take rank amateurs? Oh, I take, I, I like the rank amateurs actually because they listen <laughs> and they want to catch fish. Um, and uh, uh, so I, I take, you know, experienced anglers, rank anglers, women, 
women also listen better than the men sometimes. So if someone's watching this and they, they want to try fishing and they've never done it, how should they start? Well, they, they should take lessons, number one. I mean, I, back in the day when I was a kid, uh, my brother taught me how to cast. And uh, But today, you come up and uh, I can take them out in the lawn before they, they go out in the river, uh, teach them how to cast, and uh, enough to get by with, you know, and then they learn through uh, more fishing experiences. I know some people who are avid fly fishermen, and can, can you explain the, the lure of the attraction of fly fishing? Why it is, is it that so many people get so obsessed with it? Trout feed on insects. That's their main thing that they, their diet is insects. Uh, they have insects underneath, they hatch up to the top of the water, the fish rise for them, and it's exciting for, for a fisherman to see the trout actually take the fly. Uh, it's very addictive. Uh, and um, uh, once you catch your first fish, you don't want to go back. What kind of equipment do you need? Uh, well, for the river, a nine-foot rod, uh, five-weight line, five or six-weight line, and, um, uh, you know, uh, and uh, a nine foot tapered leader, nine to 12 foot. Can you explain what you're doing when you see the pictures of the fly fishermen waving their rod back and forth, <laughs> what, what you're doing there? Well, that's how you're casting. You're casting with the weight of the line. Uh, for instance, if you're casting with a spinning rod, uh, you, it's the weight of the lure that throws your, your, your lure out to get the fish. Uh, so the lure of, on the fly line is, is there's a tiny, tiny uh, leader uh, that you tie the fly on. And in order to cast that lightweighted fly, you have to use the line to get your fly out because it's a heavier line. So you have to wave it back and forth and increase the length until you get the right uh, place to, to lay that fly down. What are the best fish to try to catch? That one on the wall that you see here, Atlantic salmon. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, it's exciting. Uh, they're big. Uh, they, they don't die after they spawn like the Pacific salmon do. Uh, they, 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 they call them two and three salt fish. The three salt fish means they spawn three times in the river and they get huge. They can, the biggest one I got, uh, uh, up in a collop, and not me personally, but what I saw caught was uh, 47 pounds. What kind of fish do you catch on the Delaware? Rainbow and brown trout mainly. It used to be a brook trout fishery back in the days, uh, uh, the, back in the 1700s, 1800s. It's native to the Delaware River, the brook trout. Uh, but uh, Today it's brown and rainbows. They were originally introduced in New York back in, uh, in the uh, 1800s, 1871 was the first rainbow. Uh, that was when the forests were de deforested. The, the land was deforested up here back in the 17, 1800s. And uh, it killed off all the brook trout. And so what they did was, uh, 
they, they took eggs from uh, uh, rainbow trout eggs from McLeod River and the Sacramento River, and they shipped them by milk canisters across the country when the railroad was built to replenish the uh, the, the streams up in, in New York. And uh, eventually, they found their way down to the Delaware, and then they and the, and some of the tributaries of the Delaware, they were fingerlings were stocked. I want to ask you about one of the chapters in your book, The Fish That Saved America, and you write about the shad. Yes. Well, the, the thing is, George Washington and his troops fed on those shad. And uh, without their shad, they were starving. Them troops were starving. And without those shad, they may not have been able to, to cross over the to the, the Delaware and um, and uh, win that war, win the Revolutionary War. But the shad do go upriver. They they uh, they go up every year. They're much like an Atlantic salmon. They're anadromous, and so that means that they go from the ocean and they go up all the way up to the, the upper Delaware, even into the Beaverkill in New York. That's how far they go, and. Uh, and each year they come up and uh, we catch them on fly rods as well after they spawn and some of them die some of them don't and the ones that don't they go back to the ocean again how's the shad population now compared to george washington's time i i, I think they had much more shad back in george washington's time, many more uh but they lost a lot of the shad runs over the years through pollution in philadelphia um and trenton and there was pollution blocks so they and then when they discovered that the shad industry was collapsing because uh, uh so they um they decided to to clean up their act and it, it took about 20 30 years before they they had septic systems uh, uh, that work, and uh, uh, and uh, finally uh, they they cleaned it up, and and they they came back, and uh, not in the numbers that they were. One of the things you write about, which is kind of a surprise, you say in 1890, an estimated seven million pounds of sturgeon were caught on the East Coast. The Delaware soon became the country's premier sturgeon fishery, gaining the title the caviar capital of North America. You don't necessarily think of Pennsylvania or the Delaware River as being a caviar source. Well, that's true. Uh, uh, there was millions of sturgeon back then. Now they're endangered. Uh, there are a few uh, sturgeon left, but the Delaware River Keeper uh, that are, are working on, on trying to maintain the sturgeon population, excuse me. Um, and uh, what happens is, is the siltation from a lot of the industries that are going down to the Delaware, uh, top of the Delaware Bay and into the estuary where they spawn um, become polluted. And um, hopefully they can find a way to, to correct that. What's the general health of the fish population in the Delaware now? The overall Delaware? Yeah. I, I think it's it's excellent up here. Uh, it's clean water. 
I, I think we have made a great comeback cleaning up the Schuylkill River, uh, the Lehigh River, uh, all that uh, acidic water is, is basically gone uh, today. And uh, wild trout are being restored. And uh, I, think, I think we're on the right path for, for full recovery. Are there any fish that are endangered? Uh, the bridal shiner and uh, the dwarf wedge mussel, which is not a fish, but it, it is endangered. They're the two endangered species on the Delaware River. Have they tried to introduce other species of fish into the river? You, you talked about how they introduced rainbow trout and brown trout. Have they tried to introduce other non-native oh, species? Oh, yeah. That, that were, people think that the bass is a native fish. It's not. Uh, they were introduced back in the 1800s. There was a lot of fish stocking uh, and introduced into the Delaware. Walleyes were introduced into the Delaware. There's only 44 native species in the Delaware River. The rest of them are, were introduced from Europe or elsewhere. Does that ever cause problems with the non-native species coming in? It's possible. Uh, which with the bridal shiner, it's it's very possible you have more walleyes in there. Uh, uh, it's very possible that they're, they're eating the small bridal shiner and losing it. I just was on a study with uh, uh, just two weeks ago uh, with uh, his name's Jim Parkham. He's from Tennessee. We did a video mapping and a and a video uh, of of the. This, the, the river here, and they found uh, a few bridal shiner in, in one of the estuaries uh, uh, on the river. You write about an organization uh, in your book called Trout Unlimited. What is that, and what do they do? Well, I, I've been, I belong to Trout Unlimited for, since 1972. I started like two, two chapters down in the southeast, and I I, I'm involved with the one that we just started up here, um, the Sheehawken chapter, and their conservation group. They, they tried, in fact, uh, Jim Parham, we hired him to, uh, to, uh, to be part of the Sheehawken and look at what we have uh, in, in the, that stream. Uh, and um, it's, it's a wild trout stream, the Sheehawken goes into the Delaware and it reproduces uh, a rainbow trout in particular and a few brown trout. Uh, rainbows need the tributaries where brown trout can spawn sometimes in the, in the, uh, in the main stem, the upper main stem. But uh, we looked at that and, and we, the, uh, the Trout Unlimited uh, chapters, there's, um, I can't recall how many chapters are on Pennsylvania, but they're, they're, we're, we're the biggest uh, council in all of the states in, in a number of chapters. Um, I happen to be the Delaware River Committee chair, uh, co-chair for uh, Travel Limited, but each chapter designates the stream that they want to work on and protect and enhance. So what kind of issues do you deal with? Uh, bank erosion, um, uh, things like that, it, it, uh, particularly bank erosion and uh, um, 
barriers that stop the flows of the, the water, particularly if, if you have some bank erosion and all of, all of the debris that comes down and blocks the stream where they can't come up, we clear that out, things like that. There's trees um, you know, and, and create the best habitat we can for the fish. Are dams a big issue? They built these reservoirs for water purposes. And it, at one time, the Delaware River was a bass fishery. Uh, and it went topsy-turvy when the bottom releases, the cold bottom releases, created the trout fishery. So the bass were pushed down. I mean, if you're a bass fisherman, uh, you, you would see that. And, um, and then the, the trout moved in. But trout is, is the most popular fish there is. And we're trying to protect them up here because it created a great economy in this region. Can you talk a little, little bit about uh, fishing in general, like the like property rights and, and courtesies? Like if you're walking along the river and looking for a place to, to fish, how do you pick a spot, first of all? Well, property rights, you have, you have to be vigilant. You, you, you have to get permission. Uh, now, there are some streams in Pennsylvania, and uh, in in, particularly in New York, you have to get the permission of the owner. But Pennsylvania has a high water mark. So you can enter a stream and fish along that, that uh, creek or river that you're fishing. Uh, but it's, it's important. I, I always use courtesy um, and ask the owner if I can, can go on their property. And if you come across another fisherman, what, what is the proper distance? I mean, how do you how do you respect another person's turf and uh, figure out where to how far away do you do you get from them? Well, as a guide, particularly in a drift boat, uh, and you're in a narrow section of water and they're there, we ask which way can I go, uh, or if you see him casting to the left bank, you go behind him. Or you even stop and uh, you know and chat and say um, which way you want me to go. That that's the proper etiquette for a, a guide. Uh, as far as uh, them in a um, small stream, uh, they uh, um, you, you you maintain a distance. You don't want to crowd them, and there's plenty of places you can go and and, and look. Can you talk about catch and release versus catch and eat? Catch and release, I practice it all of the time. Uh, uh, and it's only because I don't want to kill the wild fish. If everybody catches and keeps in the Delaware, uh, you, you lose that population of fish. And uh, it's important to maintain the fishery. Uh, that you know the, the wild trout are subject to high temperatures uh, and and nature itself you know they, they you lose some fish through uh, you know uh, different uh, hurricanes and, and whatnot so uh, I, I maintain uh, that that we catch and, and release with my clients what's the perfect day on the water for you Cloudy, little rain, that's the best day. A little bit of rain is good? Yeah, the insects, they, they look at the cloud cover and, and uh, they, they, they actually uh, 
um, and, and the fish are less shy uh, under cloud cover. And when, the, when there's a good hatch on the water, they'll feed. In the sunny days, uh, particularly brown trout, they don't like this, the sun and um, they're uncomfortable uh, rising for a fly uh, in, in the sunny conditions. Whereas a rainbow, they, they more or less will, will feed on the sun. Do you eat fish? Yes. What's your favorite fish to eat? Salmon. But I buy it from a store. <laughs> we only have a couple minutes left. Tell me a fish story. A fish story. I'm going to tell you one. Um, um, this was on the east branch of the Delaware. Um, the, uh, the fellow was blind. That was uh, his son bought him I think it was his 70th birthday. He hadn't fished in 20 some years, 25 years, uh, because he lost his sight. Not completely, but couldn't see to the end, tip of his rod. And I rigged him up um, with a fly rod. He had a Shakespeare wonder rod, believe it or not, which is 30 years, 40, 50 years old. <laughs> and I gave him my rod and I hooked him up with a, with a stone fly and a, uh, we have uh, what looked like a bobber. It's, it's actually a strike indicator. It floats on top. And I had him flipping the water. I had to change his reel too because he had an automatic reel. So we gave him the right reel. So uh, uh, I, he could cast about 15 feet. And I would tell him to pick up as soon as he catches a fish or pulls that bobber down to help him out. And not a hundred yards went by, and this fish hook uh, uh, set set the hook on a fish as I, after I hollered to, to pull, uh, and all of a sudden he's he's reeling backwards, <laughs> and the line is all going out, getting tangled on the boat, and he lost the fish, of course. So I had to straighten him out, had to take him to shore, teach him how to you know, to reel the right way. And uh, went down uh, maybe a couple miles down the river and uh, I, th I threw the fly underneath some branches of trees, some spruce trees, and uh, hand him the rod and he catches this huge fish. It was 24 inches. And it's big, very big by all standards up here. And uh, he, uh, hooks it and uh, I jump out of the boat and I says, we're going to take you down river and uh, we're in sh fairly shallow water. And I, I just used the back of the boat to, to steer him down with that fish and kept giving him directions. And he landed this fish and uh, he was, uh, he, he wasn't surprised or even elated. Every angler would be elated to catch his fish, not until he went to the French Woods uh, School up here. It was on for uh, delinquent kids. They had a French Woods uh, school. It's no longer there, but uh, he he was one of the um, founders of the school, and they have this monthly newsletter. I took a picture of the fish 
and gave it to the monthly newsletter of what, what he caught. <laughs> a week later, he calls me very elated. He says, Lee, I saw my picture. <laughs> and uh, he called me like three times every, every other week you know, about this fish. So, yeah. Well, we'll have to end it on that note. We've been speaking with Lee Hartman. He is the author of this book, The Delaware River Story, Water Wars, Trout Tales, and a River Reborn. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast of PA Books, a production of PCN the Pennsylvania Cable Network. Full episodes of PA Books, as well as other PCN programs, are available to stream with the PCN app. Visit PCNTV.com or the App Store for details.